Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. My prayer this morning is that you will receive a fresh impartation of the Spirit for the work that the Lord has called you to do. Amen. Um, I want us to appreciate Pastor Francis from Benin. Let's, let's, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, we're, we're having a discussion yesterday and um, people, you know, some conversations around who a spiritual son is. And I told Daddy very clearly, I said, a lot of people throw your name out there that they are your spiritual sons. I said, but if there is anybody who has proven over time to be a faithful and a consistent son, is Pastor Francis. Every I think there are very few synergies that he's not around. He's even more present in the synergy than myself. You can actually take the first bond. There's no problem about that. <laughs> we will all be fine at the end of the day. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, are we on? Are we on, precious? I can't I can find you. All right, let's, um, let's pray. Let's get into the Word. I've got 45 minutes. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. This morning I'd like to talk about not being disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I'd like to pay very special attention to the subject of executing the heavenly vision in an earthly sphere or an earthly territory. Executing the heavenly vision in an earthly sphere or an earthly territory. Many times we forget or we don't pay attention to the fact that there are two dimensions to ministry. There are two dimensions to ministry. There is the spiritual dimension and there is the heavenly dimension. There is the spiritual dimension and there is the earthly dimension. And sometimes we go overboard on one or two of these areas. So there are people who are, they go very strong in the spiritual and they don't pay attention to the earthly dimension. And there are others who pay very strong attention to the spirit, uh, the earthly dimension, and they don't pay attention to the spiritual dimension. But if you want to excel in ministry, if you want to grow in ministry, if you want to be effective in ministry, you have to love the word balance. Balance. You have to have a balance of the spiritual dimension and a balance of the earthly dimension. Because the heavenly vision will be fulfilled on the earth. You need to pay attention to this. So, in Acts 26 and verse 19... Paul says, For that reason, King Agrippa, 
I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. So the vision of ministry is heavenly. No, no one can dispute that, that fact. It originates from heaven. But it is executed on the earth. It's not executed in heaven. Are you following this? Are you following this? Alright. Let's put it this way. You are a spirit. But you need a body to function. Your spirit is a spiritual substance. Your body is an earthly substance because your body, uh, you know, the scripture talks about going back to the dust. So it's an earthly substance. Now, if you pay attention to your spirit, you pray, you fast, right? You, you do a lot of Bible reading, but you eat poorly, you don't eat the right foods, you think eating a lot of pizza and suya at night, 1,000 air suyas with two bottles of cold malt, you still think at this level that that is enjoyment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's a way that poverty conditions your mind that when you're killing yourself, you rebrand it as enjoyment. You, you, you can be so poor that if you spread suya, with onions and pepper and you think that you are in heaven, you have made it finally the rapture has taken place and so if you still in your mind interpret that as enjoyment you will die before you fulfill your assignment so even though your spirit has more to do on the earth your body can no longer carry your spirit And so if a minister pays attention to his spirit and does not pay attention to his body, he is going to limit the effectiveness of his assignment. Are you following this? Come on, talk to me. Are you following this? Alright. So, the vision is heavenly, but how do we execute it on the earth? Let's look at this. The vision poor God was heavenly, it originated from God, but will have to be executed or carried out on the earth realm. And I said this, every vision has a heavenly side and an earthly side. The balance of this will determine how effective your ministry becomes ultimately. I don't want to just use the word successful, I want to use the word effective. Heaven and earth are different realms. Heaven and earth are different realms. And they operate on different laws. Now, the realm of the spirit can superimpose itself on the earth realm, but the realm of the spirit, listen carefully to this, does not break the laws of the earth realm. It superimposes itself, but it does not break. So let me give you an example. When, when God wanted to save Noah, I need you to follow me very carefully. When God wanted to save Noah from the storm, what did God ask Noah to do? Talk to me, are you here? What did God ask Noah to do? To build an ark. Because an ark is the earthly operation by which God could save Noah. Now, God could have picked Noah up and said, you know what? And part the Red Sea or do some other kind of miracles. But he didn't do that. Because many times in your ministry, you're not going to thrive by miracles. You would have injections of miracles, but you will sustain your ministry by principles. So I'll give you an example. Not every Sunday your offering is going to go up. And so you've got to have an earthly financial system that helps you to manage that. 
God can bring a miracle. For instance, I'll give you an example. Through miracles, I'll talk about this maybe in my next session. I was telling Pastor Gospar when we were walking around the building, I said, this building needs to be maintained. It, it, it's obvious. Because God can supernaturally give us a building and it can either look like a church going somewhere to happen or it can look like a church that's about to be dead. That's not God's problem. So, for instance, I'll talk about this probably in my next session, but for instance, I've got in our church now a yearly budget to retouch the paints. Because when a first-timer walks inside of a church building, he's asking himself several questions. The word is good. We don't co- I'm not teaching you about the word. I'm not teaching you about doctrine. Pastor is going to handle that. I'm talking to you about the earth realm. The earth realm. The earth realm. God looks at the hearts, not man. Heaven looks at the hearts. Man looks at the outward appearance. If you have to be effective in ministry, the hearts and the outward appearance needs to be balanced. Are you following this? Alright. We'll get there probably in the second session. Let me build this up. Redemption was God's plan. So God had to tell Noah to build an ark. Hmm? Even when Moses was building the tabernacle, God showed him the pattern on the mount. But he had to come on earth and build the physical tabernacle. Are you following what I'm saying? Let me, give you, let, me, let me summarize this thing for you so that you get it. If God has called you to go to the nations, you will have to build the system that will take you to the nations. If God has called you to the nations and you have a system that limits your going to the nations, God can do nothing about that. For instance, if you want your church to grow to 100, 150, and 200, you have to start thinking like a pastor that pastors 1,000 people. And that's a difficult adjustment to make. We'll get there. Even in my own life, as we see our ministry grow, our local church grow, I've had to make adjustments that are, that are uncomfortable for my personality. But when we began to make those adjustments, we began to see growth because the airframe is built on systems. And when people walk into a local church that has no system, they will become a law unto themselves. So the church will be run by emotions. So if this one is happy, then it's fine. If this is not happy, we'll turn the whole church to make one person happy at the expense of a vision we have to accomplish. I hope you enjoy this. It's good. It's really good. Redemption was God's plan from the beginning. But several things were needed to fulfill that vision. God wanted to redeem man, so he wanted to send Jesus to the earth. The first thing God needed was a virgin. That was earthly. Isaiah 7, 14. So what that means is any girl who had messed up herself already was not qualified to give birth to Jesus. Are you here? Am I right? Am I right? Okay. There are certain people who don't have the capacity to occupy certain roles in your local church. Not because they are bad, but they can't fit into that system. I would not have a perpetual latecomer in my usher. I dropped one of our ushers last year. And I dropped him for two reasons. You travel out of town, we don't know. You come late always to church. So I called him to the office and I told him, you can't be a member of this church, but you can't serve on that team. Because when you commit to that team, I commit my trust on you, that you will show up. And if you think it's fine to go anywhere you want to go, show up when you want to show up, it don't work here. So I dropped him. 
He was one of our founding members because I'm going to deal with that as I go on. Because sometimes people use longevity to hold a pastor hostage. And if you want to grow, you have to break that thing. You have to tell people that your being long hair doesn't earn you a right to function if you're not going to build with the vision. A time must come when the vision supersedes emotions. If not, your church will never grow. Because, let me say this here. Please pay very close attention to this. You can be a good pastor and a bad leader. What makes an organization effective is leadership. Because the organization is an earthly system. Are you following what I'm saying? It's an earthly system. So, most good pastors have small churches. Because their pastoral heart does not allow them to become leaders. Because a leader will have to come to a place where he say, you know, this will work. This will not work. You can't serve here. You can. A leader will put the vision and the mission first. A pastor will put you first before the vision. Now there have to be a balance. You, you understand what I'm saying? There have to be a balance. But if you have a heart where it's about people's feelings, your ministry will never be effective. Uh, you can take that to the bank. It will give you good interest. So Jesus, for him to come, a virgin was needed. Bethlehem was a physical location. Micah chapter 4 verse 2. He had to come from Bethlehem. If Jesus had come from any other city, it would not be consistent with the heavenly prophecies. Because the heavenly prophecy says that Jesus had to come from Bethlehem. So Bethlehem was needed. So there is a scope for your vision. For instance, I tell my media team, this is a teaching ministry. One of the most important departments of this ministry is the media team. Don't lose my messages. I don't care what's going on. You pay attention. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't allow anybody go handle my microphone. That is important to this ministry. I, I, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? So it's important because I'm a teaching ministry. If, if I was a deliverance ministry that is selling waters and anointing oil, the media might not be important. My bottle of oil and cartons of water might be important. The vision determines what is important. I'm a teaching ministry. I don't allow people walk around when I'm teaching. My ushers stay fixed. They write. Because this is a teaching ministry. When a child is crying, my ushers know quickly to look at. Because why? I need to create an environment for people to hear the word. Are you following what I'm saying? If I were an evangelistic ministry, probably my platform would be important to me. Where I can stand and reach people. Maybe a horn speaker would be more important to me than a proper microphone. So, because I am a teaching ministry, I can decide to invest a lot of money on the microphone I am using because it's a critical part of the vision. So, is my microphone expensive? Yes, it is. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Why? Because that is a primary tool by which I'm able to document what God has put in my heart because it is from those messages that we go to the nations. So spending money on a proper website that when people download the, the items are not crashing is important to me. God is not going to speak to me about that. I have to build that capacity. Are you following what I'm saying? Making it convenient for people to give to the ministry large sums of money, it's my responsibility. I cannot have a global vision and have a local structure. Your structure can be your limitation. 
So in executing this vision on the earth, you have to pay attention to this. So, John the Baptist was needed. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. John the Baptist was needed. That means certain kinds of personnel are required for vision fulfillment. You have an, an associate pastor that dresses poorly. Hmm? Or you have an associate pastor when you're teaching, he's not writing. What is he communicating? This is not about being expensive. But I've told all my team, you can't serve with Pam Sanders on a service day. You can't do that. You can't. You can't wear shoe everywhere else in your life. And then when it's service, hmm, you just stroll in. Then you go to church the first day. The person taking the mic is on slippers. One side is not buckle. Open your mouth. I pray. You won't pray. I've had people who were to lead prayers come up, come come to church, and my secretary or any of my staff tells them, "Sorry, you won't be able to pray." They get give it to somebody else, and we have taught them no offense. This is not. A personality issue. This is a vision issue. Because that day might be someone's first time. Your emotions cannot deny us of growth. This is not about being rich. It's, a, it's, about, it's about being sensible. Because you have shoes. So why not use them? Pastor, I was just rushing from the market. Then you rush and sit down. Somebody who was prepared to come and lead would lead. It's my turn to lead, not without being properly dressed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Does this matter? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an earthly structure. Some ministries have taken this overboard where they say, oh, if you don't have certain kind of shirt, you cannot serve. That's where the problem is. Don't go to the extreme. That's extreme. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not talking about everybody must buy this kind of shirt. No, 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 no. That's pushing it to the extreme. We're just saying everybody dress neatly like we're all going on a journey. Like we are serious here. Like we value what we're doing here. Are you, are, you, are you following this? I know these are very simple stuff. You're waiting for the deep revelation. The next session will give you that deep revelation. You know, some people want so much deep revelation, they are drowning their own revelation. By the time they finish explaining the revelation, say, what are you saying? Say, I'm even confused. <laughs> water baptism was needed. So water was needed. I, I'm just showing you how... Although redemption was heavenly, there were natural elements that were needed. Water. Do you realize that Jesus could not have died for you if all the rivers in Jerusalem were dried up? I know you've never thought of that. Man, this is deep revelation. <laughs> but do you realize that? That if there was no water to baptize Jesus, it means the Passover lamp would not have been washed. So, I... Even though that river, Jordan, looked like it was insignificant river, it was an earthly requirement for the heavenly vision to be fulfilled. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. What that means is that there are earthly things that you require for your ministry to be effective. Earthly things. Can I, can I give a simple example? Do you realize that just by keeping the office open and having a sense of resumption and a sense of closing can make a major adjustment to your ministry? People think you're serious. I resume the office every day. My house is two minutes to the church. This is my house. This is the church. I resume nine o'clock. I close six, seven. My wife resumes. We dress up and we go to the office. My children know I'm in the office. When they come from school, they come greet me, they go to the house. They don't come to disturb me. They don't sit on my table. 
They don't come and play around. We play after office. Because my children know this is work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They don't see me rolling on the bed by 9.30. Ah, what is it? Uh, ministry will not kill somebody. What am I even doing? Uh, no, they don't. They don't. No, 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 no they, they don't. So God takes me serious because I take the work serious. My staff sees me taking the work serious. We cannot run ministry like there's no future in it and expect God to give us the resources required to go to the next level. You say you're a pastor. You don't show up in the office. You're at home all the day. People come to church, the place is locked. You don't have office hours. What are you doing? What structure are you building? Say, I'm working from home. There's no social distancing. You're the only guy there. Go there. Wear a mask if need be to. But show up in the office. Show up dressed. Show up serious. It's a structure. Don't despise your assignment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many ministers miss it in this. And you know why they miss it? They are waiting for everything to be big and okay before they put the right attitude. No, it's the right attitude that makes things big. Not the wrong attitude. The prophetic word needed these elements on the earth for proper execution. Jesus and his mission on earth. Jesus was called to save mankind. That was the heavenly vision. Now, Jesus prayed all night. Jesus prayed all night. That was a spiritual activity. Then the Bible says, he chose 12 men to be his disciples. I'm going to the, to the crux of my message gradually. So, the salvation of man was the heavenly vision God gave to Jesus. Now, Jesus had to pray all night. That was the prayer, the spiritual activity. But listen, after the prayer, he had to choose 12 men to be his disciples. And out of these 12 men, he said, you would handle the money. What was happening? He was choosing a team. He was choosing a team. Paul was called, we read in Acts chapter 26 verse 19, Paul was called with a heavenly vision. Paul raised Timothy. Paul raised Titus. What did he do? He raised the team. So, the first structure or system you have to put in place is your team. And I want to deal with this. I want to deal with this. Most pastors are limited by their teams. If you do not have the right team, what's going to happen is that your ministry is not going to be effective. Jesus had to choose 12 men. Because the longevity of your ministry is based on the team you raise. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? So you have to choose the people to work with you. And this is where a lot of leaders make mistakes. We choose based on emotions. Hmm? You know, something very interesting happened. And, and I'm so appreciative for, for my wife, Sister Mary. I mean, she's, she's doing an amazing work. She's doing an amazing work. We, we were doing something. Um, we decided to create a department this year, a pastoral care unit. So she heads that. And uh, at the beginning of the year, I told her, you're going to head this department, but you cannot head it until you go through uh, a training. So we went online, got her registered in, a, in an online training school on pastoral care. And she, she went through the school. Well, at the beginning of the year, all my staff goes through a course. You, you pick a course based on whatever roles you're occupying. So she took that pastoral care. 
And I tell you, after she was done with that course, she brought ideas and she brought, I mean, and bam, the, the, our visitation team, our out, our visitation team and how we look after people dramatically improved that we're having more first timers come in church. In January alone, we had 25 first timers come in church and 20 people decided to stay in church. That means in one month, we got 20 people. And you know why those people stayed? Not because I preached a very good message. They would say it's based on the message, but the message is part of it. But we had a department that looked after them. So we have a simple system. If you come to our church for the first day, on Sunday morning, on Sunday afternoon, uh, my secretary will send you a text welcoming you to church. Thank you for being part of us. On Monday, part of our secretary's job or any of the staff in the office will call you. Thank you for coming to fellowship with us. If you have any questions or something, they'll respond to you. They'll move you to the service team. The service team, somebody will call you on Wednesday and, and remind you of Wednesday services. And, and, and then if you say, for instance, oh, uh, I've got my church, then it'll let you know, oh, we can send you pastor's message on WhatsApp. You don't need to be part of the church, but you can. So there are many people who go to other churches who have visited us that benefit from the message we teach because we reached out to them and we give them an opportunity to be part of the vision without leaving their local church. And then in the, in that two weeks, someone is, 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 if you have someone, we've got someone after you who is your responsibility. And that person says, oh, would you be in church on Sunday? And he says, oh, well, I, I don't think so. Or they'll say, which service are you coming? They say, oh, I'll be in the second service. So when you come to the second service, look out for me. And so a service team member is waiting to receive you on a Sunday morning. So you come on a Sunday morning, say, oh, my name is John. Oh, I'm Maxwell. Oh, I'll be looking after you. And that person follows you up for like two months. And then we have what we now just introduced, and she introduced that concept actually from the course. We now have what we call meet pastor. So uh, after every two months, these new people join, they come to church. I share the history of the church with them. I share what the church is all about. I share our vision. And then we introduce them to the growth class. And I think last month, we had like 15 people for the meet and greet pastor, 11 people signed up for the growth class. Now, you cannot be a worker in our church until you spend six months. And in that six months, you go through the growth class every month. So at the end of the six months, you do a course on the ministry of helps and the local church, and then you pick up a service team form. That's a system. So when somebody walks into the church at the beginning, from the beginning to when he becomes a worker, there is a system. I don't even get involved in any of those systems. Those systems run on their own. Why? Because if we don't have a system in place, nothing will work. So somebody comes in, joins workers today, tomorrow gets angry, walks away. Because there's no system. Because we're in a hurry to grow, shouldn't mean we should do things haphazardly. Hmm? Because we want people Even your own time. It's no, it's known in the church. You can only see me on Tuesday or Thursday, except it's an emergency. Can't see you on Monday. Can't see you because if I'm doing all my life, I'm doing counseling all my life, I'll not be effective. And it's simple. If you want to see me in the office, there are forms, the appointment forms, already pre-printed, designed. Why do you want to see me? Is it counsel? Is it welfare? Is it this? If it's welfare, we already know where to push you to. Because the higher you go in your leadership capacity, you have to maximize your time. And I'll show you all of this from scripture. And so it's easy. People know how to book an appointment. After service, pick up the appointment card, drop it in the office. And on Monday, my secretary calls you and tells you when you can see me. Because I can't make myself... Uh, it's not like you're just walking. Uh, Pastor, I wanted to see you. Uh, man of God, man of God, man of God. There's, a, there's an issue. And then that person details you. Then while you are talking, two people are pacing around. To like, ah, when will you finish? Oh, it's my church. But everybody, yeah, sir, 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 sir. And then we My service team is trained to know that no one can see me on Sunday. I'm preparing for service. So maybe somebody comes to church for the first time. Ah, I want to see pastor. No, you can't see him today. You can't see him now. He's getting ready for service. Because as at the time I should be waiting and meditating on the word from the Lord, that's not when you want to tell me that there's no salt in your house. And some of those things can be funny. Sir, it's not be easy. Sir, it's not be easy. Sir, and I'm, I'm counseling. God is speaking to me and I'm trying to sort you out. It won't work. 
Now, this is where the problem is. When you start your church small and everybody can access you, and you start growing and you want to put systems, the resistance will come. I like, no, that is not how we started. No, we don't need to remain how we started. We need to grow. It was a challenge for me at the beginning, but I realized something. I realized something. Our church would grow, it'll dip, it'll grow, it'll dip. So I began to ask questions, and I just realized this. No matter how you look at it, one person can only pastor about 100 people effectively. If you want to break the 100 mark barrier into 200, you have to build systems that can help you reach to those people, make them feel a touch of the church without you getting personally involved. So this is what I do. I, I, I just Let me just go through this. I don't go visit everyone. Every month, Sister Mary shares with me five people who really need my visits. So I visit five people in a month, one person a week. I can't go to everybody's house. So because we have that system in place, the people that I really need to visit is brought to my table. And she comes and says, hey, you need to see this, 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 this. And then part of our work is to arrange that everybody I'm seeing is at the same place at the same time. Because I'm not going to be driving, you know, I see one person here, I drive this way, I drive that way. That's not effective use of my time. And so this week I'm seeing everybody in this area and we go, we see four or five families or thereabout, and everybody's happy. It's effective. I have to sit down and decide how to get this done. And you know what? The ministry started growing. Because right from when somebody comes in the church, someone is with them. And so they are already interacting with that person without meeting me. They know how to see me. They know everything is clear. In fact, one of the things we're doing right now is building a guest center. We're building a guest center right in church. And we're going to have somebody smartly dressed there. They'll just have a guest center. So if you come to church for the first time and you need any information, you don't need to be looking around and say, who should I ask? Who should I ask? There's someone at the guest center who will give you all the information you need about the church. Now, you don't want somebody at your guest center looking like this and saying, somebody come, say, eh? Eh? Say, go sit down. Go sit down first. We'll deal with you later. No. But those things will require training. Those things will require adjustment. Because the older people are with you, the more they want to break the rules just to show that it, we started this thing together. In changing the systems of the church, your greatest struggle is going to come with those who have been with you the longest. When we did all of this, some people left. But more people came. Because, yes, when you started, you were not like that. I can come anytime and see you. And they want to keep you at that. Because small people want to have a monopoly of your time, your resources, your vision, without knowing that God has called us to think. And the one question that changed my mind, my mentor told me, if your church was 1,000, would you do everything you're doing right now? And I said, no. He said, start acting like your church is a thousand. Start growing that way. Start thinking that way. Even though you can't do some things that way, think of it that way. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. Think of it that way. Alright, let's go on. Uh, have you learned something? I just wanted to give you some practical examples. So, First Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God all the while was causing the growth. You know, if you follow me, one of the things I like to teach for pastors is very practical wisdom ways to get their ministry done. And, and that's, that's, that's my, my call to the body where pastors are concerned. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. Three people are involved there. What was God's responsibility? What was God's responsibility to cause the growth? You can't grow your church. You can't grow your church. It's God's responsibility to do what? To grow the church. But can God grow what has not been planted? Let me ask you one more time. Can God grow what has not been planted? Okay. Can God grow what has been planted but has not been watered? So let me give you an example. 
I preach a powerful message on Sunday. That is planting. People come to church. Nobody follows them up. No watering. So who will God grow? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So God cannot grow until you put a watering system in place. Most people don't have a doctrine problem. They have a watering problem. Are you following what I'm saying? This morning I got up and uh, I called my secretary. I said, you know, as I was praying this morning, a thought came to me. I called my secretary and I said, everybody who has bought our books, everybody who has ordered um, pastoral training materials, when you go to the office next week, make sure you have all their numbers. Because it just occurred to me, if anybody has invested their time to buy our books and buy our materials, if we write a new book, they will be interested. Don't you think so? So it just makes it easy to say, if we write a new book, like this message right now that I'm teaching now, it's not free. I told the media department, daddy's one is free, mine it's not. Okay? So, I told the media department, once you're ready, package it like this, do it like this. I'll make it available to, to people who want to learn from me. Now, what that means is this. If I reach out to those people that I have a new resource, they'll be interested. God will not do that for you. You have a church. You don't collect the phone numbers of those who come to church for the first time. Say, well, what the first time I said? They raise their hand. Clap for them. Clap for them. Oh, you are welcome in the name of the Lord. You will do all the theatrics. They will walk away. Then they'll start asking, hey, that brother, that, that brother with, uh, with glasses, that, that brother, say, I have this brother. Say, the brother with glasses now, that was sitting, say, oh, okay, how did he come? Ah, hey, okay. Now, and let me ask him, and we ask Pastor Francis, that, that sister that wore red skirt, and then a whole church is looking for a human being like they are looking for needle. And God says, you guys are not serious. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No watering. Your team, listen, your team is vital because your team waters your seed. You can plant and plant and plant and plant and plant. If you have a wrong team, you will not grow. Your greatest challenge in ministry will be building the right team. Not, 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 not doctrine, not, not church, not, I mean, doctrine is essential. I hope you get what I'm trying to say, but most of us are cleared on that. We teach good, but no system. Hmm? Look at this. Planting and watering are different form of activities that would require different instruments. If I want to plant, I may need a shovel, I may need a digger. But if I want to water, I will need what? A watering can. What that means is that the, the method of planting, come on now, is not the same method as what? Watering. You know what I told myself? Well, not what I told myself. You know what I learned? You can't have a big church without effective cell system. Right now, our church is growing and then we're about starting our cell systems. Because it is only at the cell level that people can be pastored at a personal touch. You see, whether we like it or not, people want a personal touch. And you can't give that personal touch. The, the one you have put as a leader to give the personal touch is not serious. You know, some people can just cancel our fellowship, Corinne fell. Say today is Monday, we have our fellowship. Say, but is it really not four for you? I say, for you. say, okay, no problem, no problem. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just call daddy. Okay, next week, next week. Our fellowship has cancelled. No commitment. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to be able to know that, listen, this thing will go on. In fact, <laughs> funny enough, they called me from the office and they were like, we thought when you travel, the work will be less. He said, but we, we are still working. I said, yes. Because I don't need to be present for anything to get done. No need to be present. Everybody, including my dear wife, Sister Mary, she resumed office yesterday on Friday. They worked till 3, 4 p.m. before they closed. Things going on. Things going on. Things going on. Things going on. Immediately, someone comes to church, you know, on Monday, 
People are assigned onto follow-up. She gets the report. She does the people assigning them. Then we have a team who is following up the old um, timers. The old people in church also need visit, not just new people. So there are people who are visiting older people. A team is there. Now, we've got an outreach team now that just came and he said, Pastor, this your message is changing our lives. We want other people to hear it. I asked them, what do you want to do? They said, people are going to the market to preach. We want to also take this message there. I said, what do you guys want to do? They said, we need speakers that can be playing messages. So they divided the whole town into about 12 units. We have two teams now. We just bought the outreach instrument now. They will take our messages early in the morning, go and put it in a street corner with flyers. Some people are going to the market. That system. I cannot go to the market and be preaching. But if you build the right team, the right team will be willing and God can cause that to bring increase to the church. Are you following what I'm saying? This has to be done. By your team. So if you have a weak team, you cannot become effective. The strength of a church, the effectiveness of a church is the strength of his team. You realize that Jesus, and I, I hope to get there in my second session, but you realize that Jesus got a team first. That was the first thing Jesus did. Do you, do you realize that? He just got 12 people first. The first thing you need to do when you leave this place is go and reevaluate your team. Praise God. Are you still here? All right. Um, planting and watering are different form of activities that would require different instruments, methods, approach, strategies. So I decided to also share our experience with you because it's, it's, it's helping us to maximize the ministry right now. And I wanted it to be very practical. I didn't want to come here and just stand and teach you some things. I wanted it to go back home and have a template. You don't have to copy everything I'm doing. You need to find out what works in your vicinity. But you must understand that if there is no system, there is nothing God can bring the growth to. And you, you've got to be big on this. Even you, when you're making this adjustment, it will be a problem for you. Because you want to be involved in everything because that's how you've been. Okay? So it will be tough on your personality. Sometimes you have to restrain yourself. Look at this. Uh, I've got five minutes more. So we're going to read this. We'll read this and probably I'll teach on this in the second section. Let's read the story, then I'll pick up from there. Okay, let's, let's leave that. Let's, see, let's look at this. Let's look at this quote. A great dream with a bad team is nothing more than a nightmare. John C. Maxwell. A great dream with a bad team is nothing. That's why I recommend my book, Pastoring Through Prayers. You have to pray for your people. You have to pray for your people. So, you have to look at your team. You have to look at your team. Your team, it's the engine of the, uh, not the engine now, the body part of your vision. Hmm? You know, sometimes, when you use all these taxis, they'll say, I don't mind the body, the engine is strong. Yeah? And then you're in a car, the tires, you're actually going this way, but the tires are facing like this. Okay? Then, you know, the tire is like this, but the driver is, is like this. Then you ride for a while. Then the tire pulls off. What happens to your journey? Hmm? What happens to your journey? All of you will now come down. Have you traveled like that? All of you will now come down. Come down, come down. Jack is under your seat. Madam, stand up. Everybody will now come down. Then you now see driver, Jackie. Jackie. <laughs> then you now realize that some drivers don't even have Jack. Then they will now stand on the road. You realize that if you had a job interview, just know that you are, you remain unemployed because you are failing it. You have a preaching engagement. Do you realize that just the wisdom of not having Jack can delay your vision. Some pastors are like that. 
You have only one leader in your church that can do something. Every leader ought to train another leader so that nobody will hold the ministry hostage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No spare tire. So on Sunday like this, it's only one guy that can own the generator because the generator does not own normally. You, you know, you know those kind of generators. I hope that's not the one you have here. Eh? So light goes off, then they have to go under the generator and tie two wire and connect and connect and connect and connect. So by the time the guy pulls, you think it's simple until the guy is not in church and the light goes off and everybody's pulling. They say, call him, call him. Then they put him on phone. They touch the red wire. Hold the blue one. Drop it to yourself. Turn right. <laughs> Turn left. Oh, yeah, pull. No, no, no. Go right. And then the whole church is waiting. Any knowledge one person knows that the other person in the team does not know and cannot execute effectively would stop the vision. So the first requirement as you go back right now if there's a, an, an area of specialized units, ask that person, start training someone else. Because talented people have a way of holding a ministry hostage. You must break that. You must break that. You must break, you must build a system where you say, look what, it's faithfulness that works here, not talent. We've asked people to step down from our choir who are very talented, but they're not faithful. You can't come anytime you like. You can't show up because you're the lead singer. We will do without you. The system must be above talents. Let a faithful man know that if I go to this church and I serve faithfully, I can get to the top. Don't build your church that a leader is by who he knows. If you are in this clique, you can become a leader. It will destroy your church. Because people love power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you must break that power thing down. You must break it down and say here, what qualifies you to serve is your faithfulness and your availability. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805-888-7575 God bless you.